You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's been a while, but it's time to do a game preview. What's up, everybody? Ken Swanson, Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. Game preview edition for week one of the 2020 season, the year in which your Kansas City Chiefs look to defend the Super Bowl title that feels like they won four years ago, but was actually just seven months ago. We are here to preview the first game. We do this every week during the season, three storylines on offense and defense, and here to help me do that are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. What's good, my friend? Everything is good because when you're listening to this a mere 33 hours or less, not only does NFL football start again, but your reigning world champions, Kansas City Chiefs, take the field. And as Kent is quick to remind us, they are playing a team that they are on a 51-7 to run against. So I don't know how I could be any more excited than I currently am. Well, actually, I do. You guys should see Kent's hairdo right now. He just got a fresh cut. It looks phenomenal. Hollywood Swanson, like he belongs on the big screen, I think. We'll get a picture for you guys. Don't worry. Craig, you can make that happen, right? Yeah, I can make that happen. I'm thankful for two things tonight. And the first thing is Kent Swanson's haircut. This is wonderful. I get to stare at this for the entirety of this podcast. It's going to be amazing. The second thing is that we have football coming and y'all stuck with us through the entire offseason. This week has been monster podcast numbers. You guys are tuning in. You are ravenous for football. We thank you so much in an offseason where we did not have hardly anything to talk about because there was no information coming out and very little that was actually going on that you guys stuck with us. We appreciate each and every last one of you. So That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this today. And we're going to give you something great to listen to because you stuck with us. And because we're irrationally excited for this season to start. I mean, the the energy has been felt throughout the laboratory. The beakers are buzzing. Uh, What we do on the game preview episodes, if you're new around here, we give you three storylines on offense and defense and three players to watch on offense and defense. And we always start with the offense because that's what matters most because Patrick LeVon Mahomes is on offense. And the first storyline has nothing to do with him, but it has to do with his backfield mate. And that's Clyde Edwards-Alaire making his debut for the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, this is one of the most, um, I think one of the, probably the biggest debut offensively since Patrick Mahomes. It hasn't been long, but everyone's excited to see what Clyde Edwards-Alaire can do in this offense. 
I wrote about Clyde Edwards Hiller this week, and it's funny, like there's it's hard to be a rookie in his shoes where you have crazy high expectations. I mean, people have predicted him to not only like lead the league in yards from scrimmage, but also like having some people say take him first or second in fantasy football drafts. Like that's a lot of ex- high expectations for a player drafted 32nd overall. Like that's not that's very uncommon for a rookie, let alone a guy at the end of the first round. But at the same time, Edwards Hiller is also going to be one of the most forgotten players on this Chiefs offense because of how good everybody else is. Obviously, all eyes are on Patrick Mahomes. Then you have other guys, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. Like, There's a whole list of guys that the Texans have been burned by in the past. Their game plan is not going to be to come out and stop this rookie running back. So he's a guy, he's going to be out there flying under the radar a little bit on the field, and I think he's poised for a big game. Look back at some other new offensive weapons in their first game, starting with the Chiefs under Andy Reid. Kareem Hunt, huge game against the Patriots. McCole Hardman, even once they knew they had to start him in week two last season, he had his highest percentage of usage in that game in terms of six targets on the amount of passes they threw. Wasn't his best statistical game, but that's when he saw his most usage, including plays designed specifically for him. Shot plays designed to go to him. Andy Reid loves to get these new weapons and utilize them in every way he can imagine. I would expect Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to get a lot of work and a lot of different looks. They're going to be advantageous to him. I think he's going to have a pretty big game here. If you go back to last weekend, uh, our good buddy, Brett Coleman, joined me on the podcast, and he talked about how, as a Houston Texans fan and an X's and O's guy, he is terrified of what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire could do to the Houston Texans defense, and everybody's defense for that matter. He's just so difficult to cover, and when teams like the Texans and like some of these other defenses that have lined up and played man coverage against the Chiefs offense and given them trouble over the past two years with Patrick Mahomes, those teams now can't do that with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming out of the backfield because he is such a dynamic receiving weapon. He is such a danger man. And then when you spread things out to try and cover for everybody, he's also a hell of a runner up the middle. He is just a perfect fit for Andy Reid's offense. He makes so much sense for a high-volume usage player. That's why he's going so high in drafts. That's why there's so much hype around him. I'm just expecting a monster season out of Clyde. Well, even when teams try to carry for depth in zone coverage, too, that's still a problem. LaShawn McCoy burned the Chargers a little bit, I think, in the first matchup against against the Chargers because the Chargers were getting depth. They were trying to take away that deep over, dump down to, to LaShawn McCoy. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is one of the most unique backs that the Chiefs have had in, in the last few years. He's a better route runner than a Kareem Hunt. Um so he's got better pass catcher traits even than Kareem Hunt, although Kareem Hunt was extremely productive there. He's an outstanding runner with outstanding compa- contact balance. Really f- fantastic instincts as a runner. Really, especially at the second level uh, of defenses, he's he's really good at anticipating moves at the second level. Um, he's just a special player. And, um, you know, obviously a lot of – a lot of people were not thrilled with the running back decision going with the running back, but I think the Chiefs are a team that could ultimately make this work because I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a special talent. You're going to see it in a lot of different ways immediately. Week one, it's going to be a lot of fun. A guy that had a lot of success the last time these two teams played, the last time 
you know, to, to continue and create this 51-7 run was Travis Kelsey. I wrote about him this week. The, the, the Texans had no answer for this man, and I don't think they've done anything to address the issues they had trying to, to match up with him uh, the last time, Maddie. The thing the Texans tried was first, they tried a couple different defensive backs, whether Lonnie Johnson, Justin Reed, I think Vernon Hargreaves got a couple shots. Nobody was able to cover Travis Kelsey in that playoff game one-on-one. So what the Texans tried to do towards the end of the first half and the start of the second half, they tried to double him. They tried to add, not a true double team, but they tried to bracket him with a linebacker, use a linebacker to wall off the middle of the field and then let a defensive back play and trail. That didn't always work because Travis Kelsey would split them too often and their linebackers couldn't turn and run with them. So they finally had to transition completely out of their main coverage. They had tried to run a little bit and run a lot more zone in the second half. I think you start to see the Chiefs take advantage of that too. But when you're trying to bracket Tyreek Hill because of his speed and Travis Kelsey because he's just better than everybody else you have on defense, you're in this unique spot where you can't account for everybody else on the field. And that's what happened to the Texans as they gave up 51 points after jumping out to an early lead. So it's just Travis Kelsey against the Texans especially is nearly impossible to stop unless they figured out something wildly different than last year. Nothing they did in the playoffs worked. Travis Kelsey beat them in man bracket coverage, zone coverage, and I don't know what else they can do to try to take him away other than those things. I mean, I think they were kind of hoping that maybe a Gary on Conley on the outside and being able to bracket him with Lonnie Johnson and hoping that Lonnie Johnson took that second step forward. Well, Gary and Conley started the season on IR. It looks like Vernon Hargreaves or Lonnie Johnson is going to be starting opposite of Bradley Roby. Now, all of a sudden, that puts a weaker cornerback on Travis Kelsey. And if they're doing that, they're going to try and bracket him with maybe Justin Reed. Maybe they're going to try and bracket him with Eric Murray. And Chiefs fans know how that's going to go. So (laughs) there's just not a whole lot of guys that can really match up with Travis Kelsey. And then because Conley's out, now all of a sudden it filters further down to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You have to put a good coverage player on Travis Kelsey because we saw what happened to the Houston Texans in the playoffs it's just going to filter down even further I expect Kelsey to have a big game and if they focus solely on him he's going to have a monster effect on the game because everybody else is now going to be seeing lesser coverage defenders on him you've got Lonnie Johnson you know who was a limited participant on Wednesday or on Monday Philip Gaines limited participant um, they, they're not, I don't think they're a hundred percent healthy there. I don't think, I just don't see how, I don't see how the Texans can really try to man up against this team. I think, I, I think they're going to have to play zone heavy. Um, if they're going to, I, I just, I just, I can't see them trying to man up, especially with Clyde in the mix. Good luck. It didn't go well for you. The last time you tried a safety, you tried a big corner. You tried a slot corner against Travis Kelsey, and none of them could do anything. Try to figure that out. Hey, Kent, quick question here. Is Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, are they, are they good against zone? I can't remember. They're good, against, they're good against zone. They're good against man. They're good against whatever you throw at. The other thing real quick, sorry, I'm going to sidebar this again. Patrick Mahomes beat the Texans with his legs in the second half because their defenders' backs were turned. When Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes starts utilizing his legs more, that becomes even a bigger problem, and it makes it harder to play man coverage against him. So I, I just I don't understand. I don't see a real 
great way outside of just zoning, hoping that you can slow him down between the 20s and maybe get lucky in, in the red zone. When you're forced to bracket two players because you can't cover either one of them one-on-one, that's going to happen. And I think that was kind of part of why I think Clyde's going to have a big game is if you're spending four defenders to essentially take away two offensive players, I mean, that's leaving everybody else one-on-one. And that means Clyde's getting matched up with Zach Cunningham or Craig's boy, Brendan Scarlett, like Bernardrick McKinney. Like none of those guys can cover him like or have a chance to. So when you are forced into either playing zone, which the Chiefs will eat up if they know it's coming, or playing man coverage when you're at a disadvantage in every single matchup out there, you have to double team. You have to bracket people. And I think the Chiefs will just absolutely destroy the Texans again if they go that route. So next storyline, the the Chiefs have slowly gone away from some of their athletic players along the interior, and we might be seeing maybe a change in how they're not only fielding the position, but maybe designing their run game, Maddie. I think that most NFL teams now, and I think this is mostly coming from PFF, are very inside zone or duo run heavy, which is just another, a more power gap based inside handoff and the Chiefs are one of the few teams that have stuck to be predominantly outside zone running team last year I think two years ago you started to see them change a little bit and then it kind of reverted as the year went on especially once injuries happened and then this past year they just pretty much stuck exclusively to outside zone part of that could be the players that they had I think Damian Williams is by far a better runner on outside zone than he is inside zone. He just doesn't have the patience or the vision to do it very well. LaShawn McCoy got a mixed look, but I wonder this year, just especially bringing guys like Osimile, even just other guys they've added over this time, whether you look at guys that aren't even going to play right now with Rimmers or Lucas Nyang, you're not getting the elite of elite athletes anymore coming in, which is what the Chiefs used on those outside zone plays to really stretch out the defense and open up those run lanes. They wanted elite athletes. You're getting some stronger guys, guys with a little bit more power and a better base. Then you add in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who is a very, very good inside zone or duo runner. I just wonder if you start to see the Chiefs flip from this really heavy kind of outside zone attacking off the tackle and look for them to attack up the middle a little bit more with more power and just a running back that has the skill set that matches that. Yeah, and Clyde's vision in those inside zone and duo runs is phenomenal. That's that's where he made a lot of hay at LSU. That's where he killed Alabama. He, I mean, he was just a phenomenal rusher in that regard. So it makes sense that if you're going to invest that high of pick in a guy like Claude Edwards-Hilaire, that maybe you position yourself with some of your interior offensive linemen being a little more powerful guys. We talked about how Colecchio Simile, the Chiefs' basically major addition to the interior there, is a guy that possesses a lot of power, can climb quickly, is really smart, and just is a big body mover on the inside, opposed to, as opposed to some of these guys that are just more pure athletes. Steven Wisniewski was not a great mover as well. But again, like Matt said, they weren't really running a lot of that inside zone last year. Maybe that was the plan. It just didn't work out that way. Now getting a back that can do more of that alongside the rest of these offensive pieces, it just makes sense to go with offensive linemen like this. I think you saw a little bit more inside zone late in the year. Like I think you saw some spurts of that and Built some built some some run pass options and some looks off of that that they kind of utilized and was kind of moving Mahomes out of the pocket a little bit. Um, some of those inside runs that they're utilizing. So 
I think there's going to be some unique designs. It's not like they're all of a sudden not going to be able to do some of the stuff they've done with the RPO stuff. They're going to be able to do all that stuff without any problem whatsoever. Um, but um, it, it, it's going to be fascinating to watch for sure because the personnel has changed. Cleccio Semele is a, a road grader. He's an he's he's sneaky. He's like sneaky, valuable, sneaky, great signing by Brett Veach. Like we don't talk yes. enough about. He's a bigger he's a bigger signing than Mike Remmers. He's a bigger signing than Antonio Hamilton. Dare I say he's the biggest free agency signing for this football team? I mean, I I don't know that I could dispute that. Spot I really the don't. lie. I'm just yeah. saying. Uh, if he's healthy, yeah. I know. Players to watch. Let's go, uh, Craig. Who you got? I've got a guy that hasn't received a whole lot of hype this offseason. Uh, with all of the offensive playmakers that are out there, Sammy Watkins has flown a little bit under the radar. We knew about everything that had kind of happened this offseason and him getting paid, and then we really haven't heard much from him or heard much about him since. We know the offense is going to funnel through Travis Kelsey. We know Tyree Kill is going to get a ton of targets. And we expect that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to get a ton of touches as well. Sammy Watkins all of a sudden becomes a little bit of the quote-unquote forgotten man in this offense. Sammy Watkins is still a very, very, very good receiver. And if you put a an inferior cornerback on him, if you put a second-level cornerback on him, he can torch him when he's healthy. Sammy Watkins is starting this season healthy. So let's see what happens here. I think that he could be a guy that just explodes onto the scene because nobody's talking about him, and he has the opportunity to beat up on kind of a rough secondary that's a little bit injured. Interestingly enough, my player to watch is Kelechi Assembly, brought on to be the chief starting guard. I think going back to when we were just talking about changing up the potential run design if that is a goal, Kelechio Simile makes a ton of sense. He's a super powerful player. If his shoulder's good, like that's the big thing you have to watch for right now is it's been, we're nearing a year since he was playing football because he had a shoulder injury. I think it was about a year ago where he first suffered this shoulder injury. Now, how's the shoulder working for him? Is he healthy? He's getting up there in age. Is he in football shape? Is he falling in? Is he getting that continuity with Eric Fisher and Austin Ryder? There's a lot of different things that go into the offensive line play, but you need Kelechi Assembly to be this team's best interior offensive lineman. Is he going to be that? Because as scary as it is, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif was the Chiefs' best interior offensive lineman last year, and that's not great. So you need Assembly to be a level above that, and if he can come out and show that this first week, that'll be huge for the Chiefs going forward. My guy's McCall Hardman. Uh, he's, I'm very fascinated to see how McCole Hardman starts, how he's utilized early, if his role is expanded. I think there's a lot of questions about McCole Hardman in his role. They brought Demarcus Robinson back who outsnapped him the vast majority. I think basically every game. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see if he's overtaken Demarcus Robinson. I'm fascinated to see if the Chiefs are very intentional about getting him some of those manufactured touches behind the line of scrimmage. I'm curious to find out if he's able to, if he's really been able to expand his game. You've seen a lot of cutups and clips of him putting in work in the offseason. How is that? How has that developed his route tree? Is it still a lot of vertical stuff and stuff behind the line of scrimmage for him to find success, or is there more there? If there's more there. This becomes a scary proposition, just absolutely terrifying for teams uh, because he, if he really does grow and develop as an additional weapon on top of everything this team already has, 
uh, good luck. It's it's over. Just shut it down. Like this team's not gonna. The, the only the only team stopping them from scoring is themselves. We're gonna take a break, and we will be back to talk about the defense right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, we're continuing our game preview week one. Feels good to be back, and it's time to talk about the defense. Three storylines on defense, and I think the eyes are going to be on the secondary to start this thing off, Greg. Yeah, that's definitely the case. Juan Thornhill has been a full participant in practice all week long. That that bodes well for him playing. We'll just still see if he's on a little bit of a pitch count. Dan Sorensen takes some of those base reps. And then opposite of Charvarius Ward, there are questions about Legereus Sneed, Rashad Fenton, Steve Spagnuolo once again, maybe a little bit of gamesmanship, admitted that it could be some things we're, we're looking into maybe multiple guys there again, but then went on to just praise Legereus Need as a comp- competitor and a guy that's in there to work really hard. And then maybe Antonio Hamilton playing a little bit in the slot. Will we see Tyron Matthew in the slot as well? There's just a lot of questions that we'll be answering here in week one because we haven't seen any of these guys yet. That's the unfortunate part of no training camp no preseason. We don't know if things are going to be similar to what they did last year or if they're going to start to make some tweaks like they did at the beginning of last year and throughout the year. I feel very good that the safeties, that Tyron Matthew, Dan Sorensen, whether he's playing in base or Justin Nickel and Juan Thornhill will look pretty good. Maybe Juan Thornhill has to knock off some rust. like a, That has to go into it. But I feel very confident the safeties are going to look quite well in this game. They had some good plays and some bad plays versus the Texans previous years or the previous matchups, but I think that's fine. It's really just the cornerback spot across from Charvarius Ward is a complete question mark right now. When you do have to get a second slot corner, is that going to be Hamilton? Is that going to be Fenton? We have no information because camp's essentially been closed the majority of the time, so we're just now going to see all of this. And while the Houston Texans receiving group, I think, definitely took a step back this year, it's a really unique group that has a lot of speed. There is so much speed in the receiver room. They have a quarterback that really likes to throw the deep ball. If these if these young guys aren't ready to turn and run and be in good position, like there could be some big plays given up if the safeties aren't playing at their A level from the get-go. So just think this is an interesting matchup. Maybe not the most difficult matchup, but a very interesting matchup for a young secondary that doesn't seem like it's entirely figured out at this point in time. Antonio Hamilton's fast and so is LeJarrius Sneed. 
Rashad Fenton is not. Uh, so that's just something to take in to keep in mind there. I, I agree with Craig. I was listening to to Steve Spagnuolo talk, and it did seem like there is there's a good chance that we're going to see Legarius Sneed uh, in a, in a fair amount in uh, in week one. And I'm so fascinated. Like this is such a weird. I'm obviously everything about all of our lives is is a lot different from the football side. Seeing like this is this seeing the who is is just as fascinating as getting to watch this football team play. Like I just can't wait to see rotations. These are things you might have maybe sorted through a little bit during the preseason, getting to see who's running with who. It's kind of like all that information that you're gathering during the preseason you're gathering on the fly during the regular season in week one. So uh, I can't wait to see, you know, if LeJerry Sneed's out there, I want to watch these rookies. I'm just, I'm geeked out to get a first look at these rookies. Um, second storyline, Steve Spagnuolo settled in world champion. Steve Spagnuolo settled in here in year two. You get a little bit more exotic with this, with this group this year, Craig. That's two-time world champion to you, Kent. Remember that. Eh, Remember that. There's life before Patrick Mahomes, and there's life after it. <laughs> I think that Steve Spagnuolo, uh, we're going to see a little bit more out of him. I think we're going to see a little bit more mixing and matching of some pressure packages. I think he's going to be a lot more comfortable with Brendan Daly, with a lot of the personnel. I think we're going to see... A lot more from the get-go here. I think what we saw very early on in the season was not quite as aggressive. Steve Spagnuolo, I believe, in a clip that will be airing tonight on the uh, the America's Game broadcast that they're going to be airing on NFL Network, admitted that after about the Houston game, they realized that they needed to be more aggressive in their play calls and their pressure packages, everything like that. That's kind of when we saw that pivot. That's when we saw the turning point against Denver and going forward. So I think that Steve Spagnuolo recognizes what he's got in his personnel. I think he recognizes that, you know, with everybody healthy here, he's got some fun players that he can move around, some hybrid players that they've added, some guys that necessarily you know don't fit his style but can offer something new with Brendan Daly's help. I'm very interested to see if we start seeing a lot more exotic looks out of Steve Spagnuolo rather than just some of the foundational stuff to make sure that everybody was on the same page last year. It's Steve Spagnuolo's note for being a little exotic. He definitely throws looks out there just to put looks out there. He will do things that, in theory, if you're teaching somebody how to be a defensive play caller, you should not do. He has no problem doing that to put that kind of stuff out there on the uh, field for everybody to see. And so I wonder if you're going to get that from Spagnuolo here in the very first week. They're a little bit more comfortable with the players they have right now. Frank Clark's healthy. He's been in the system. Chris Jones has been in the system. The linebackers, all of them besides Willie Gay, have been there for a year. The secondary has some new guys, but your safeties have been there for a while. That's where it seemed like most of the trickery had came from last year was safeties or slot corners dropping deep and things like that. So whether it's going to be blitz packages, coverage shells, I mean, whatever they're going to do, I think you see it come out a lot earlier this year. It obviously helped the Chiefs win a Super Bowl, so I wouldn't expect a slow rollout again this year, especially with the lack of preparation time for other teams. Steve Spagnuolo brought back most of his starters. I think he can hit the ground running a lot better than some offenses with a lot more new pieces. A lot of pressures, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the hots for quarterbacks are in the middle of the field. So you've got to beat pressure by throwing into pressure in the middle of the field. 
the Chiefs have some really good football players in the middle of the field behind a lot of the pressures they're putting with the with the safety group. So they have a really strong safety group. Um, so he can feel confident, I think, dialing some stuff up because that's where a lot of teams try to beat pressures in the middle of the field. So um, the guys back there make plays on the football, can – uh, you know, make a make a quarterback pay for a sailed throw, an errant throw. It'll be fun to see. I'm very fascinated to see uh, what this looks like, especially week one, especially early. There's so many, so many unknowns. There's so many variables here, and we're just going to be having to react to all of it on the fly. There's going to be a lot going on in our heads, I think, throughout the game more than normal than just being like getting to sit there and enjoy a football game. I think finally we got to talk about, you know, we talked about some of those pressure packages. I think the Chiefs have to get home against Deshaun Watson, Matty. Thankfully, Deshaun Watson is a quarterback that does hold on to the football way too long, way too often. I said it earlier, he likes to throw deep. He likes to take these vertical shots. And you will catch Watson holding onto the ball way too much. So if the Chiefs are to dial in these blitzes, if they're going to go deep into the pressure packages and try to get pressure to him, you can see Watson passing some hot reads from time to time trying to get the ball vertical. So if you can confuse him, if you can bring pressure from areas he's not seeing, work in stunts, twists, and other games, you can get free rushers to get after Watson, even if it takes a couple extra seconds to get there because he'll hold the football. And then even without having to blitz, I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to bring a lot of pressure in this particular game. I think it's smart against Deshaun Watson, who does not like to matriculate the ball down the field. He wants the big chunk plays. But even when you don't, the right side of that offensive line with Zach Fulton and Titus Howard, I mean, even if you want to kick it over to Zach Martin at center, that's not a great three guys. You can get pressure with your front four pass rush with Chris Jones and Frank Clark, Tanyo Passanio rushing off that right side especially. So it's just if they can get to Watson, he will make mistakes. He will take sacks. And I think whether you have to bring extra pressure or align your best players against Titus Howard, Zach Fulton, like I think the Chiefs can get to him if they're willing to try. I think we saw in that playoff game what it looks like with a healthy Frank Clark against the Houston Texans tackles and how long Deshaun Watson likes to hold on to the ball. Frank Clark was a monster in that game, and that was without Chris Jones taking some of the pressure off of him. Chris Jones back in that game with Frank Clark is going to make a massive difference. There's just too many guys for them to have to cover up front and try and take away in the passing game for a guy that likes to hold on to the ball way too long, get some of those vertical routes like Matty was talking about earlier to these speed receivers, you know, get them open. Takes time. Frank Clark, Chris Jones can disrupt that. We started to see last year towards the end of the year, Steve Spagnuolo, able to speed up the timer for some of these quarterbacks, able to force mistakes because they had to get the ball out. Deshaun Watson doesn't necessarily throw a lot of interceptions. He's not going to throw throw the ball up just trying to get rid of it. He's going to eat the sack, and that's what Steve Spagnuolo wants. That's what he's going to try and go for. So I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of dialed-up pressure, lots of safety blitzes, lots of slot blitzes. We're just going to see a lot of that throughout the course of the day. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Deshaun Watson has all is always seeing the field cleanly. So a lot like you talked about from the slot and from the safety position, I think some of those pressures make a lot of sense because he's not always gonna see him. Now the thing with Deshaun Watson is so dangerous is he can he can bail himself out the same way Patrick Mahomes can. So you've got to be disciplined, you know, after after the pressure because he can bail him he can bail himself himself out. He has in the past. Um, because he does not always see things. One other thing I think is interesting is, 
you know, Deshaun Watson likes to challenge down the field for sure, but he doesn't have a uh, like a, a guy that can win at the catch point the same way DeAndre Hopkins could. You know, he's got a lot of small guys now, so it's got to be on time throws over the top if he wants to challenge down the field, which I find interesting. It's not going to be the you know, it, he's got to get the ball up and down. You know, he's not he doesn't have he doesn't have and it's got to be over some of these guys. So if they can challenge. If they can stay stride for stride, it's going to make it really hard for Deshaun Watson to get some of those big chunk plays. Something to watch for sure. All right, players to watch. Craig, kick us off. Willie Gay Jr. I want to see this man on the field. The Chiefs had him in for a presser this week. He said, I'm going to be playing a lot of special teams. That tells me Willie Gay Jr. is not playing a lot of defense. But I'm curious to see if Steve Spagnuolo gets him some reps tries to get him on the field, tries to get him acclimated to the game a little bit better. I want to see him. I want to see him blitzing off the edge. I want to see him in the flat covering some running backs. I just want to see how he's progressed to the game, especially if the Chiefs get up big. If this turns into a blowout with the Chiefs offense is putting points on the board, I want to see Bill Gay on the field. Get him out there. He needs the reps. I was going to pick a guy that has almost as many nicknames as the Renaissance Man and Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, the Landlord, but I'm actually going to audible. I'm going to go with Charvarius Ward. I think he's kicking over to the left cornerback spot, which is typically where the Chiefs have played their top corner or who they felt was their top corner. They don't switch their corners a ton. They usually play him on the right and the left side. It looks like he's transitioned to left corner this year. He's going to be matched up a lot with Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller. Really good deep threats. And I don't think Charvarius Ward has the same fluidity and speed that those guys do. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can be physical with them, use his size and his length to knock them off balance, get them pulled pushed out of bounds because last year that both Texans games weren't great for Ward while he didn't give up the most yards or big catches he could have there was a couple drops in there by Will Fuller there, he had his struggles versus the Texans so this is a big game for him he's ready to make that next step to be a really good starting really good number one NFL corner he has to come out and be able to shut down the likes of Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller without getting drops or poor throws towards them he has to dominate this kind of matchup if he's wanting to make that step and if he can do that that's going to be huge for the Chiefs because that allows Tyron Matthew that allows Juan Thornhill even Dan Sorensen to roam a little bit more blitz a little bit more often and have to quit covering for the corners on both sides of the field almost every single play you know, like I, I've kind of said a couple times, you know, throughout this show, this is there's some preseason feel to like trying to understand and get your head around some of these players, getting your head around this team, what they're made of, who's playing where, all that stuff. My players to watch, I'm maddying this, are Tershawn, Turk Wharton, and Mike Dana. I am fascinated to see what what Steve Spagnolo is so excited about. I don't think this is gonna be like I. You know, I don't think the expectations for these guys should be particularly high. But I think what I'm fascinated to see if these guys are legitimate rotational players already in the National Football League. Because if they are, that's impressive. That's a very impressive if if either of these guys or both of these guys are able to hold their own week one in any capacity. Um, because there's a lot of excitement about these two based on the stuff that Steve Spagnuolo is saying and the fact that I mean the fact that Tashawn Wharton made the roster. There's not much to know about him. So I love the unknown. I love that a lottery ticket's getting this kind of love. I'm fascinated to see what these guys are made of and what kind of value they can bring week one because there's interest. There's intrigue there. 
And normally these are the things that flesh out during the preseason that all get us excited. I'm curious to see if this is real or if it's just a fifth-round pick and an undrafted free agent. All right, guys. Oh, hold on oh. real quick. You, Maddie, answered this, so we're going to throw this over to Youthful Regis, and we are going to ask a quick over or under. If you remove Charvarius Ward from the AP Laboratories players to watch, how many defensive snaps will Willie Gay, Tershawn Wharton, and Mike Dana see for the listeners to watch them? Over or under set at 18 combined defensive snaps for those three players. Kent? Over. Over, over, because the Chiefs are going to be up 51-7, to and Treshawn Wharton and Mike Dana are getting to pin their ears back. Yeah, uh, under, because I don't think it's going to be quite quite that much of a blowout, as much as I want to see Willie Gay get 50 snaps this week, and nobody you know wants gonna, it more than me. You know nobody wants it more than me. But Willie Gay is going to get what's 21, gonna happen? and Treshawn Wharton's going to be inactive. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm going under, so, though. I'll go. I'm going over 18 and a half for all three combined. Yeah. I'll take the over on that. Can we go to predictions now, Maddie? Go ahead. Craig is the winner <laughs> of this segment of over <laughs> and under. Colin he gets to lead us off. He gets to lead us off on, uh, on predictions now, I guess. I think this is going to be sloppy guys. Uh, there's just not, uh, I think tackling is going to be sloppy. I think execution is going to be sloppy, but the chiefs, have a lot of the same personnel. I think they're just going to be a foot, you know, a, a step ahead on everything. I think they're going to get out to a decent lead, but I, I don't expect that the defense is going to play excellent all all week long. I think they just got a bunch of new bodies, haven't been able to hit or tackle much. I think Steve Spagnuolo is worried about that as well. I'm going 38-24 Chiefs. Craig kind of took my point there. I've been watching a lot of this college football that started the last couple of weeks, and granted, it's not been the highest level of schools, but the play is incredibly sloppy, even for those levels. I mean, Navy looked completely lost running the triple option versus BYU, and Navy usually can compete with like Power Five, good Power Five programs with their triple option. Like teams simply don't look right at this point in time, and that's even college. NFL out the preseason without quite the same level of camp. I think it's going to be a little bit sloppy. I have a lot more faith in the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes to start figuring things out. I think you see a lot of explosive plays on both sides of the ball. I just think the Chiefs personnel all around is better. So I do have them winning 34-21, to a nice, comfortable victory. I just don't think this is going to be the kind of game that you want to that everyone's going to expect this pretty picture-perfect football game. I think there's going to be a lot of ugly plays and blown coverages on both sides. Uh, the Chiefs are currently on a 51-7 run against the Houston Texans. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you if you knew. You that haven't path. said it very often, Kent. So no, I don't think everybody I, knew. Yeah, I'm just making sure people people understood. I think the counter for that fact might actually have a higher number than the combined snaps the defensive <laughs> players to watch. Maybe. Uh, I I have it 35-20. I think at the end of this game, the Chiefs are on an 86 to to 27 run against the Houston Texans. Um, I do think it's going to be an ugly game. I still think the Chiefs are going to light the scoreboard up. I mean, 35 is a lot of points. We all have them. We all say it's an ugly game, and we all have them. Like those, The lowest point total is 34 for all of us. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think this football team is going to win by two scores. I think there will be a lot to be excited about. Uh, I can't wait to see Tershawn Warren and Mike Dana both get snaps along with Willie Gay. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that is going to do it for the first week 
of the game previews for the 2020 season for your world champion, Kansas City Chiefs. We will be back right after the game for the Arrowhead Pride post-game show. Be sure to tune in. We'll catch you later. Tune in to watch the guys sit on the bench. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.